So like I said, we are close to being done with this great sermon. Six months in, one more week, um, and then we'll probably spend a couple weeks in the book of James, and then it's Thanksgiving and Advent season, Christmas season. So the year is what? Gone. But 2017 is here. Don't be sad. Like, everyone's sad. Like, it's good. We've lived another year. We're trying to serve the Lord. As Russ and Layla mentioned, a church merge has happened, and we're doing our best. We've made some great strides. We're still working on different things, but God has been good, and God has been faithful. And just so you know, you'll hear more in the next, in two weeks, but I don't believe in, like, getting a word from God for our church, but the strong sense that I get going forward into 2017 is we've kind of worked on ourselves and our family. We're still doing it. But now it's time to be neighbor, as we've learned. Jesus is talking about being a neighbor. In the Sermon on the Mount, his main myth-busting reality is you have no more enemies, you only have neighbors in my kingdom, which was relevant 2,000 years ago, is relevant at Burrell Middle School, right? And is relevant in America and our world, right? We don't have enemies Now that we know Jesus, we have neighbors, and we need to work that out. So let me pray. We'll be in Matthew 7 for a bit. We'll do a little bit of work. We'll talk about metaphors. Aren't metaphors great? I'll talk about why in a sec. Father, help me and help us. Let us see Christ and him alone in his kingdom, and thank you for bringing him here to show us all. Father, it's not a heresy to say a book wasn't enough. It's your design that a book became a man and he lived and breathed and died and rose. And the first words he said to those who were in fear is, peace be with you, go and do likewise and teach and disciple and baptize and live this life of peace. So help us now in Jesus' name, amen. Metaphors are grand. Why are metaphors grand? Because they take theoretical, abstract truths, and they come alive. Don't judge a book by its, you know what I'm talking about already. You've seen people. I've given the story before, but on the ambulance when I used to work there, I would always get the podiatrist on the plane, but then when the trauma surgeon showed up, he didn't look like a trauma surgeon, but when he opened his mouth, I go, oh, the guy knows what he's talking about, right? So I judged him based on his cantina cruise wear, And then he started rattling off things that I had no clue he was talking about. I'm like, yes, sir, okay, very good, all right. Come on, want you to come in the ambulance with me? Because you're the smart one here. Or there is a blank in the room. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. We all know what I'm talking about, right? Not Steve. (laughs) But when you're at a place or where there's drama or where there's a situation and everybody's ignoring it, the metaphor is what? There is an elephant in the room. The point being is... It explains in a much greater way how I feel if I were to tell you my wife and I are having a few issues. So these metaphors are great. They work in the scriptures. Jesus uses them. He's talked about three metaphors if you haven't been paying attention. The first one was a road. Remember the road? Two roads. Wide road, narrow road. Then he talked about a tree and fruit. What was the fruit we learned about last week? God is looking for his kingdom citizens, Christians, to produce righteousness and justice. And he also used another metaphor, a vineyard, back in Isaiah, remember? A vineyard brings the kingdom to life. Oh, I can see what he's talking about. And he's going to use this third metaphor, screen, Matthew 7, 24. Everyone who hears these words, which words? All of them, but specifically the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 
5, 6, and 7, which we've been learning. And what? What's the caveat there? Does them. <laughs> Uh-oh. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Here in earthquake country, where do we want to build our houses? On rocks, right? We don't want to float off into the bay if the big one comes. Verse 25, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew, beat on that house, and it did not fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. Jesus is our rock, but he's imploring us not to just hear the sermon, but to go apply it. Because he says, if you are a person who is wise, you will obey me in what I've taught you. You just won't theorize about it or put it in theory. It's not an abstract concept. He's trying to bring this message of the kingdom and salvation to life. And look at verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine, and what? Ignores them, doesn't do it. So the salvation, the restoration is not in the hearing, it's in both the hearing and the what? Here's James, you see James now? James is a bad dude. Jesus is half-brother. In doing it, so who doesn't do it, verse 26, is like a foolish man who built his house in the sand, and we know the metaphor. When the flood comes and your house is built on sand, what happened? Cruise, you're, you're floating. And that cruise doesn't end well. There's no duty free at the end of that cruise, okay? There is destruction and ruin. So Jesus is using metaphors. One of the things that I've underlooked, and I think we underlook, big generalization, always dangerous, is we as Christians, especially maybe somewhat educated, which we all are, we tend to go to the abstract and practice in theory instead of God letting us use our redeemed imaginations. If you've been saved, if you're part of the kingdom, God is working on all of you. Remember the writings of like C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and other people who had amazing imaginations, and those are treasures, right? We can do that too with parameters. What are our parameters? The word of God. So Jesus wants to invoke our emotion in the right way, our experience, and us to go, I get what he's saying. I've just heard about this kingdom. And now he's closing his sermon. The best preachers, and I'm not one of them, tend to finish what they started and close. And Jesus does that here. But he also goes real deep, so we'll try and go. Think of the Bible and think of some of the metaphors Jesus, God, the Word, uses for the church. Do I need another volunteer? That's tough, huh? All right, Connor, come on up. If you raise your hand, you get called. Both of you want to come up? No one, too? All right, don't freak out. I need you calm. Otherwise, you're going right back. Okay, stand here and stand here. Okay? You stand here for a sec. It's going to get weird, but stay there. One of the metaphors God uses... No, just sit down for me. Thank you. They're so obedient. John, you've done a good job, man. Anyways... The word calls the church a body. A body, a living body. That's better than a church sometimes. Not really, I'll get there in a sec. But let's talk about a body. How many toes do you have? Not embarrassing you. No, how many toes do you have? Ten. ten. Let's hear it for Nolan. You have ten. Very good. How many fingers? Let's see. How many clavicles? They're right here. Probably two. 
No, not three. Let's, okay, maybe two. How many hairs? Thousands, right? Mm, probably thousands. Okay. How many ears? How many xiphoid processes? You go with it? There you go. But what I'm trying to get at is when the word talks about the church as a body and talks about us as being different parts, working together in unison for one purpose, our brains go, I get that. Now, this isn't going to be weird. Actually, it will be weird, so sit down. Here you go. Sit down. Hurry, hurry. Run, run, run. Okay, very good. Is this Kayla here or no? Kayla, come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Come on. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Come on, come on, come on. The church, come on, come on, a little, little hop in the step. We're like at home right now. Okay, anyways. Okay, the church also call, the word also calls the church the bride of Christ. A beautiful bride. Just stand there, that's okay. Okay? And Christ being the one betrothed, that's a different metaphor. They're not getting married, right? Not yet, okay? <laughs> sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. But the point, no, sit down, it's all good. We're all good. The point is, when the word talks about the church in those ways, we go, oh, I get it. And the different, you guys can go sit down. Good job. Let's hear for all of our volunteers. Good job. But what Jesus is using are metaphors to enlighten us in the way, in the closing, and spark our, I'm going to call it Holy Spirit infused. That's kind of weird, but Holy Spirit led imagination. Real quickly, I'll give you guys a chance to get there. Isaiah 32, we saw last week in Isaiah this metaphor of a vineyard. Real quick, we're not going to go there, but Isaiah 32, verse 1. Isaiah 4, the prophet talks about Zion, this coming kingdom, this metaphor of God's kingdom. During the Messiah's reign, the Messiah himself will be a shelter from the storm. Remember that term, shelter from the storm. Then in Isaiah 25, God himself, Yahweh, is a shelter from the storm. What was our Sermon on the Mount illustration or metaphor? There's a storm. And the wise person who builds on the rock will receive shelter from the storm. Isaiah 32.1. Behold, a king will reign in righteousness... And princes will rule in justice. If you were here last week, bells should be going off. What does God want from us as his children in the new covenant? The same as the old covenant. He wants righteousness, rightly rightly relating to him, being forgiven, being pardoned, being loved and accepted, and then justice, treating other people as neighbor. That's what he wants. That's what he's always wanted. That's in large part why the Ten Commandments were given and then the prophets would come in the law and would correct people. But he's always been after righteousness and justice. And again, not in the way that we think language is, uh, sorry, language, in, especially in our language, English language, is limited. Verse 2, Isaiah 32. Each will be like a hiding place from the wind, a shelter from the storm, like streams of water in a dry place, like the shade of a great rock in a weary land. Most of us don't get this. Some of you might. Those of us who have traveled or backpacked or been out and about, when we are done, 
we get it a little better than if we're just in San Carlos, which is wonderful. But we have our own storm in here. So the prophet, prophesying 700 years before Jesus showed up, was talking about the kingdom, the kingdom coming. People in the kingdom would be marked by righteousness and justice. Jesus affirms that and reaffirms that over and over. We saw that a couple weeks ago. And now we come to this metaphor about a house and a wise person and a foolish person. Thanks, Tim. You can go back to Matthew 7. You can go to 25. So what is he doing? His common hearers would be familiar with Isaiah. They would be familiar with righteousness and justice. They would be familiar with storms and shelter, with water and shade. And Jesus, while closing out this sermon, I believe, is prophetically pronouncing what his kingdom truly is, a shelter from the storm. There is individuality in this section, but there's also a corporate reality. In what he is saying, remember what was happening. When Jesus gave this sermon, where did you go to church? Jerusalem and the temple, synagogues, yes, but the temple was Mecca in a sense. And Jesus' whole sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, much of what he was doing was combating religious pride, lusts of the eyes, lusts of the flesh, the mistreating of one another, and saying, I have good news if you're poor in spirit. God's kingdom is for you. Blessed are the merciful, they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called sons of God. Why? Because they're about the Father's business. So Jesus is wrapping this all up, and I see the looks on your face, but you got to see this in its entirety. God's kingdom in this new covenant, in this ushering in of this man Jesus, is made up of individuals who have received shelter in the grace of God and now who want to provide shelter to everyone out there. That's the church. There it is. That's the sermon. God's kingdom is for individuals like you and me who are not good at being spiritual. First, beatitude, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Literally, blessed are those who aren't good at being religious. Can I get an amen? I'm not very good, and I'm happy about it, because the kingdom's for me and you. For those of you who are really good at being spiritual, I don't know if we have any in here, let's talk and have coffee, because we got to get to what Jesus was saying. Because there were lots of folks back in Jesus' day who were really good at being spiritual. They went to the temple and they actually hindered people from worshiping. Jesus showed up and said, what? I'm turning this place up. You're greedy. You're restricting people. And I'm going to make a whip and we're going to have a talk. And the talk was quick. Amen? It wasn't much of a talk. It was, uh, if it was emojis, it would have been two of them. You know the little emojis? Boom, done. So we got to see the sermon, and we just don't take it off. Because you know how I was taught this sermon? You gave this to a kid to scare him into heaven and not hell. Now we can kind of get there, but see Jesus in his teaching entirely. If you have heard my teaching, be wise. Do it. Go be part of the kingdom, and then in your gathering, church, 80, 90 of us here, be a shelter to those who are in the storm. I have an awesome opportunity because of all of our grace to have an office. P 
people come and talk to me, and I get a listen, and, and some of them say, I like talking to you, which is fine, because that's okay, it's my job. But if I could tell you about the storms of their life, you would go, yeah, there's a lot of hurricanes out there, and you can't see them all. Pain, sickness, guilt, shame, sin done to you, you doing sin to other people are all storms, and they're swirling around every day. I'm here to tell you first and foremost, there is shelter from those storms in the name of Jesus Christ. He is alive. If you don't know him, come talk to me, and we'll talk about him. And then as the corporate blood-bought body, we are to be a church, a community, a suburb of heaven offering shelter to Republicans and Democrats and Independents and Muslims and Sikhs and Hindus and Jews and everyone to say, there is shelter. His name is Christ. There's warmth on a cold night. There's soup, literally and spiritually. There is ointment for your scars. And how do we do that? Jesus taught us kindness, folks. Gentleness. Interceding and bringing peace. I go back to my story with Debbie. Ask her if she needs help. If she doesn't, don't be a holy roll and go, I want to provide you shelter, but treat her like a human and back off. And the best way to serve people when they... I had one, I took Holland to Burger King. I'm going to throw someone under the bus here. She's not here. And I was helping a veteran who had a walker throw away his trash. It's kind of a nice thing to do. I don't know. I'm not, I just felt compelled to do it. I'm not a nice person that way, but I just felt compelled to do it. And then I went back to Holland, who was at my table, and someone said, you really shouldn't leave your daughter alone. And so I said, okay. And she goes, they're stealing children everywhere. And so I got the whole picture right there. You know, <laughs> okay. And so it's fine. Like, it, it's valid. I'm not, okay. She's going to go pull it up on Facebook or something. So I said, okay. I said, I'm a decent-sized guy. I probably, and she said, that's not funny. And I said, oh, now I'm really in deep, right? So the point was, I wanted to get snarky, and I wanted to be right, and I wanted to say, how dare you? But Christ, I believe, his word whispered to my spirit, shelter from the storm. Because what am I preparing for the whole time? Shelter from the storm. I said, thank you for your concern. Have a great day. That's all. And I'm not good. I'm just trying to obey. And when we read the scriptures for what they say, when Jesus is our lens going through the Bible, God will do that to you. And when we choose to accept it, we begin to be part of the shelter which is offered in Christ. This is a theme throughout the whole scripture. There was judgment coming to Jerusalem. What happened in AD 70? Goodbye. But there is Judgment looming as well. Let's not be fatalistic. Let's not be snarky with people. Let's try to offer kindness and grace and forgiveness. Let's use the metaphor the Lord provided. I told you that story of that miracle last week in Africa when the the, the missionary was bit by a puff adder, I think, the snake, and he actually lived, and he showed up and just told people about Jesus, and some things happened. On that same trip I, trip, I got very sick. I was supposed to go in deep, and two days before, it, was, it just wasn't working. Like, it was one of the worst experiences of my life. The problem is we were staying in um, Sudan, and I'm very light-skinned, I'll say it that way. <laughs> so I overheat, let's just say it that way. And... Um, <laughs> The day wasn't bad because you're drinking water, but the problem is we were staying in a cinder block, cinder block house, so it was 95 degrees in the room, 
and there were rolling blackouts. So at two, no, at midnight, the fans turned off. So I woke up two or three nights in a row just like pitch black, claustrophobic, freaking out, anxiety attack, and getting sick and doing all the other stuff you can imagine with getting sick. So I was sent onto a plane home while the team went up into the mountains to deliver food, medicine, and Bibles. And I, I didn't have a cell phone. <laughs> I had nothing. So I'm, I'm sent from a plane to Kenya, and I call her in the airport, and I was out of my mind, like literally, because I was so anxious. And I said, can you call the airlines and see if they can get me a ticket from Kenya to SFO tonight? And she calls back and goes, they can get you a ticket. I'm like, sweet. She said, it's $5,200. I said, no problem. I said, <laughs> and she actually said, no big problem. And I said, I said uh, well, I haven't cashed in a few favors for my family. She's like, you're not cashing any favors. She's like, calm down. And so, but I was so scared and sick and anxious, and I was so out of my mind, literally, that I didn't know what to do. I was in a storm, and it might sound minuscule, but this is life for us people. And so I showed up to the airport in Kenya, and I go to the desk, and I figured I'd get a hotel, I'd find some money somewhere, because my credit, it was just a mess. And then the missionary who prayed for the guy who I was staying with tapped me on the shoulder, and baggage came and goes, hey, Dave, how you doing? We got water for you. We got a bed. We got food. <laughs> we got Bible study if you want. And Christ, using his church, was my shelter from my storm. And I'm eternally grateful. The stories we may or may not have this holiday season might not be that dramatic. But to the people we minister the gospel to, it, will be, it could be that impactful. Think about it. Think about the people you know you're going to experience this week. Think about what drives you crazy about the way they treat you. Think about it. I know it's true. I've talked to you. Let's cleanse our spiritual eyes. Let's be washed in Christ and his love in the word. Let's try and see clearly and go, I wonder what it would be like to live in their shoes. I wonder what it would be like to come to work and be a tyrant for eight hours. I don't know. I wonder what it would be like to not speak to my kids for four years. Some people go through that. I wonder what it would be like to be betrayed again and again and again and again. It probably affects. But the point is, in Christ, in moving forward, in obedience, into the things we've learned in this sermon, we can go... I don't think I can be a shelter to their entire Category 5 hurricane with 221 mile an hour winds, but I know who can and I can be a part. And that's where we have to go. See the metaphor for what it is. A lot of these people who heard this metaphor and refused were judged in some way in AD 70. God knocked and knocked and called out and called out and because of the hardness of their own hearts and their own decisions, when Jerusalem fell, it was an eight or nine month siege. If you're into horror films, go Google fall of Jerusalem 70 AD and what the Romans did to them. Go Google it. It was like, that's judgment and that's real. But see this metaphor also in our day do not refuse these words of Christ. God is long-suffering. He is patient, he is kind, and he is merciful, but we will meet him one day. You will. 
no matter what Facebook says. <laughs> know that and deal with that. And if that's on your heart, come talk to me or us. On Calvary, Jesus absorbed the greatest threat and storm to my life and gave me forgiveness. That's available to you. And then he's also commissioned to me in his resurrection to be a part of a church, a body, who will in some way be a shelter to the storm of life out there, and that's where we want to go. As we finish next week, we'll pick up right where we started. Pastor, I think, I think it's right. I see the scriptures. I see the metaphor. And Jesus was very good. He is really getting, to, he's getting back to where he started. And so I'm going to read Matthew 5, 3 through 12, and we'll be done because he's going to have the last word. So when they get there, Matthew 5, 3 through 12, hear this in light of this closing Jesus is making. Uh, hear this in light of the metaphors that have been used the past three weeks. Hear this in light of this new kingdom being ushered in. Remember, blessed sounds like hallmark. It sounds cute. It sounds almost remedial. Blessed, okay, it's blessed. Blessing is offered to these types of people in the kingdom. The kingdom that God is building to be a shelter from the storm, both here in San Carlos and afar. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's cool. The earth is awesome, by the way. We talked about that, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And hear this. I taught on it four months ago. Righteousness. It's not pious, holy righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for things to be right. I hope you long for things to be right in this world because there's a lot of wrong, right? I hope sometimes you wake up at night and just say a silent prayer and go back to bed. For they shall be satisfied. And Jesus is brilliant because sometimes we want things to be made right so bad we are not merciful. So what's the next verse? Blessed are the merciful. <laughs> if in our desire to make things right we withhold mercy, we're wrong. Isn't Jesus crazy in a good way? Because I like to get things right sometimes. And sometimes I cross the line because mercy is to govern, right? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive what? Who wants to receive mercy? Now and on that day. I want mercy. I want mercy. We'll pray for the rest of you who didn't raise your hand. Lying in church is a bad thing. Verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Why is that? I want this to stick in your head, because they are doing the family business. Remember Jesus rising from the dead and meeting Peter and the others who denied him? What did he say? Peace be with you. Not, oh, you got a whipping coming. You got a spanking coming, Pete. No. Peace. Even when others doubted, he said, come feel the scars in my hands. And they worshiped, right? Verse 10. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted. There's a clause there. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Why? For righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you're persecuted for being a Seahawk fan in San Francisco, you have scoreboard, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. If you're persecuted for being a bad dancer in a dance class, that's not what Jesus is talking about. If you are persecuted for trying to be a shelter from the storm in line with your Savior, all blessing your way. (laughs) All blessing, all God's favor. And it goes further. Verse 11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. I got a minute. Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump has not been persecuted in this way. Okay? It's a whole different thing. They've been both shot at different ways. But when people treat you poorly because you are walking in accordance with Jesus and receiving the shelter he's provided and offering to everyone who you encounter, God's like, I got your back. There's blessing in that. There's peace in that. There's comfort in that. And this is his kingdom. This is what he's building. This is what I want our church and other churches to be about. I want us to be about the blessings God offers in those first 11 verses. I want us to wrap up with pointing people to the narrow road and talking about the golden rule and how there is no more enemy, there's only neighbor. I want us to be marked by righteousness, right relating to God, and justice, treating others properly, and ultimately, as we continue to come around each other and link arms to be a shelter from the storm, both in this life and the looming storm to come. That's the gospel. And it's only made possible because of the life, death, resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand. I will be done in a minute. Please join us across the way for fellowship. I will bless the fellowship as I pray. And we'll continue to uh, walk this road together, right? Next week, I promise, we'll be done with the Sermon on the Mount. I've said it publicly, it better happen. There's one more verse Jesus says, and people are amazed at his authority, so we'll talk about that. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this family. Thank you for the shelter from the storm provided in Christ, found in him. And thank you for the commission, the building of your kingdom, which is made up of princesses and princes who are marked by justice and who obey. So help us do that. Help your children go and do likewise. Help me go and do likewise and give us a great week until we return. In Jesus' name, amen.